Welcome to the Simply Christ Podcast. My name is Mark Shepard. Glad you are joining us. If you've not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Share this with your friends as well. Check out our Twitter feed and also make sure to check out our YouTube channel, Simply Christ. We also have a website, simplychrist.org. Make sure you check that out as well. We have been looking for the last few episodes at John chapter 3, and we're going to be spending a lot of time in John chapter 3 because that is a foundational teaching of the spiritual life found in Christ. And that is what this website is about, making Jesus Christ our master and learning how to explore and live in that spiritual realm, that spiritual life. That is our entire goal. There's a lot of other teaching out there in Christianity, but we kind of want to talk about things that maybe some other churches, maybe some pastors and teachers, ministers, whatever you want to call them, may not really talk about, or maybe just talk about some of the tough teachings that maybe you've not been able to find answers to. Not that we have the answers to everything, please don't misunderstand me, but at least we're going to try to check some of those. And one of those is found again in John chapter 3. There's a lot in this chapter that has really kind of stumped some people. Uh, Yeah, we get the basics of it. It's life in the Spirit, and we talk about born of the Spirit, and then people will argue whether or not water is baptism and that kind of thing in in John. But uh, this is not really what this podcast and what this series of podcasts or what this channel is about, really what this is all about. This is about looking at the spiritual aspects of life and how Christianity, what we call Christianity, is really the way. It was always referred to as the way. Check out those podcasts, our first ones, as to what is Christian, what is Christianity, and that will help explain some of what we're talking about. One of the teachings that we find in John is talking about this interaction he has with Nicodemus. The whole idea with Nicodemus is really kind of an eye-opener, and it sets the foundation for everything that is in what we call Christianity. Without an understanding of John chapter 3, an understanding of what Jesus is trying to communicate with Nicodemus, we lose really a good 90% of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because Nicodemus was a man who was a very well-known and respected Jewish leader. He was not just a political leader. He was a religious teacher. And we're not talking about someone who went to some four-year college or got some doctorate in theological studies. These were people who were raised since they were infants to be leaders, memorizing most of the Old Testament, at least the first five books. And I guarantee you a lot of them had already memorized most of it. That is dedication. And not only did they memorize it, they knew where to put the inflections. I mean, that's just incredible. Yet, they did not understand the teachings of Jesus, which, you know, shows to me that you can know everything there is to know about the Bible and really not know what this is all about. So let's just summarize real quick. We talked about the born in the Spirit, what it means to be born in the Spirit. And we understood that being born of the Spirit means we are being born into a spiritual life and that the spiritual life demands living in the spiritual realm. And if we are going to live in the spiritual realm, there are certain boundaries, there are certain characteristics of the spiritual realm that we are required to follow. I am following uh, most of what I'm going to be 
saying here through the Aramaic scriptures. I'll be using that as my scripture reference point. If you have not downloaded the Aramaic scriptures, you can do so. Just check it out on the, I'll leave a, try to see if I can leave a link here in the description and you can get to it as well. It's a good way to follow along. It's great reading and it's also the language that Jesus spoke. Most of the people of his day spoke was local Aramaic. Of course, there's some discussion and some controversy over that as there is pretty much everything else, right? But for the most part, Jesus probably spoke Aramaic, and it's just a good, it doesn't, you don't have to use that, but it's, I like using it because it kind of opens up quite a bit. So again, Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he is telling Jesus that he's a great teacher. You know, Jesus, you're a great teacher, but there's a lot of things we don't really know what you're talking about. And Jesus tells him, you must be born of the Spirit. And we're going to be now in verse 8, John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind, the place where it pleases, blows, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes and unto where it goes. Thus so is everyone who is born from the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Yeshua answered and said unto him, You are a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say unto you that the things which we know we speak— And the things which we see we testify, and our testimony you don't receive. If of the earth I have spoken unto you, and you aren't believing, how, if I speak unto you of the heavens, will you believe? It must have come as a shock to Nicodemus that here comes this young Jewish rabbi in his 30s coming up to Nicodemus, who was probably an elderly gentleman who knew the scriptures. He was very interested, though, in what Jesus had to say, that that had to come of kind of as a shock that, well, okay, you know, I've been doing this for quite a long time. But he takes it quite in stride, and Jesus knows his heart, and Jesus starts speaking to him and describing this. And one of the things that we have here that's very strange, if you want to call it strange, it just it doesn't fall into the typical Jewish teaching of, and, or Jewish understanding, I should say, of the day about the spiritual life. Yet it should. Nicodemus should know these things. Now, we shouldn't be so hard on Nicodemus because Nicodemus doesn't really know. He's, he's you know, searching, and there's a lot of things we don't know. But he should know, being a Jewish teacher, but we need to give him some slack because there's a lot of people who've been going and sitting in church for 60, 70, 80 years, and they still do not know the spiritual teachings of Jesus Christ. And that's sad because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to know these things. That's our goal, right? To know the spiritual teachings of Jesus because if he's our master, we need to be like our master. We need to know what he knows. Of course, we're not going to be Jesus. But remember, Jesus did say he's going to provide a spirit for us or to us, and we're going to even do greater things than he did. That is a totally different podcast in itself. So there are some strange things in verse 8. First of all, Jesus talks about wind blowing, then not knowing where it comes from, and then not knowing where it's going. Also, so it is with everyone or everyone who is born of the Spirit. So there's some really strange things that he says there that many pastors and preachers, ministers, teachers, Bible teachers, when they come to this verse, they kind of just kind of go over it and maybe skim over it and maybe not talk about it very much. They'll talk a little bit, a little bit more about the verses before it, but when it comes to this verse and the next verse, it's kind of just, eh, let's talk about it a little bit. Let's move on to some things because we really don't know what it means. And that's sad. 
because this is, again, a foundational teaching. And if we're going to know about the foundational teachings of Jesus, we've got to know this, this series of verse and what they, they mean. Now, to understand these things, I'm going to have to refer back to another idea, another concept, and that is the concept of grace. We're going to tie in what grace means to these series of verses. However, it may not be necessarily in the way that you may think of grace. And I'm not talking about mercy. So that might come as a little bit of a surprise, like, well, what are we talking about here? What's the difference between grace and mercy? Well, this is not going to be a lesson on grace and mercy. That's a total topic in itself that we don't have time to do, but it has to be brought up and tied in with this. Number one, grace is not mercy. They are two total separate concepts. Now, I know Many have used the terms interchangeably, or they've used it in a way that they kind of think they're the same thing, just different words, but they're not the same thing. They're two totally different ideas. How many times have you heard people say, I am a sinner saved by God's grace? Uh, I live just by God's grace. And what they're really saying, if you pin them down, at least the ones that I've talked to that I've pinned down and asked, well, what do you mean by that? they will say, well, yeah, but God's mercy, it's the same thing. And, you know, I live by God's mercy, which means I'm going to be as good of a person as I possibly can, and then I will hope that God's grace covers the rest. In fact, I've even heard that talked about in Bible class, taught that way, that, well, God's mercy will cover the rest. I do the best I can, and then God does the rest. What they're talking about is living a good moralistic lifestyle, and then Whatever they're not able to do, well, Jesus comes in and swoops down at the last minute and fills in the blank, and they get the extra bonus point or the extra bonus question right, and they made the extra credit, and now they can walk into the pearly gates. That is not what grace is. So what is grace? If grace isn't mercy, that is a game changer, because if we're living by God's mercy, if it's not that, we're living by God's grace, well, then what is grace? What am I supposed to do? Am I, have I got to work my way into heaven? No, that, that's not what this is. So I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 is going to give us a little bit of an insight into what this concept of grace, what this idea of, of mercy is. And what mercy is, let me, let me put it to you this way, the separation between mercy and grace. God has mercy on us. And the fact that he has mercy on us means he has given us grace. So think that, think about that for a moment. Let that sink in. God has mercy on us, and because of that, he's given us grace. And here's, here's just kind of a, a basic, crude example. If you see someone who's on the side of the road who's destitute, doesn't have a dollar to their name, and they need that dollar, you have mercy on them. You give them five bucks, whatever. That $5 is grace. Why? Because that $5 has power in it. That $5 can be used now to accomplish what that individual needs to do. So let's read now Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For it is by his grace we are redeemed through faith, and this is not being from us, but it is the gift of God, not from works so that no one could boast. For we are his own creation, who were created in Yeshua, the anointed one, for good works, those which God formerly ordained 
that we should walk in. That last verse is critical to understanding. Let me read that last verse again. For we are his own creation, who was created in Yeshua the Anointed One. Why? For good works. Which kind? Those which God formerly ordained that we should walk in. So what Paul is telling the Ephesian church here, we were created for good works. Those, what kind of good works? Those that God in the past had ordained or created that we should walk in. Well, that's kind of weird because the verse before that says that through faith, this is not being from us, but it is the gift of God, not from works, so that no one could boast. Now, many people will take that verse and say, well, see, it's not about works. It's all about God's grace. It's all about God's mercy. And that means that what I need to do is just be the best I can. And if I don't, it's okay because, you know, God's just a merciful God, and it's going to be okay. So all you've got to do now is just come into the church building, start singing some great songs and worship songs, and don't worry about changing your life, because if you try to change anything, you're doing it by your own strength. That is not anywhere or anything that Jesus ever taught. In fact, it's contrary to what's taught. What? Are you saying then that I have to do things? Actually, yes, but it's not you who's doing them. And that's the difference. See, the person who tries to do things by their own works are those individuals that try to live a moralistic lifestyle and go to church. In other words, they believe Jesus is the Son of God, they sit in a church building, and then when they sit in a church building, then they are, you know, doing what God wants them to do, but then they are going to try to be a moral person. But that's okay if they're not moral, it's not it's because, after all, we, we can't be moral, we can't be perfect, so God's mercy will cover our imperfections. His grace will cover our imperfections. No, that, that is not at all. We have been created to walk in the way and do the things that God created us to do, and that is produce fruit. Jesus himself talks about fruit production and produce, if you want to call it that, all through the New Testament. He's always talking about trees that are not producing fruit that will be cut down, or the tree that is is known by its fruit. You produce bad fruit, you're not a good tree. If you're not a good if you're a good tree, you'll produce good fruit. So how does grace tie in? Grace is defined by a way that a friend of mine, who God rest his soul, has has gave it to me one time, and he defines grace as spiritual power to accomplish the work God has assigned to us to perform. Let me read that again. Spiritual power to accomplish the work God has assigned or assigned to us to perform. So if God has performed something for us to do, and he's told us then not to do it because we can't do it by our own works, then we have a serious problem in theology there, don't we? No, we don't. That's because we've misunderstood the concept of what grace is. Let me give you an example of grace. How many times have we heard somebody say, that person is a graceful person? They just move with grace. What do you think of? You think of a person who what? Is elegant. They're elegant in their walk. When they move, they know how to move. They go in the direction they need to be going. They're doing and they're acting in the way and performing, using that word performing, okay? They're doing things in a graceful way. They have movement. They have style. They have a way of carrying themselves. They have a character to them. That is what grace is. 
And that is what we are called to have. We are called to have movement. What does it mean to have movement? It means that you and I now are operating in the grace of God. The spiritual life, remember, if we're living by the Spirit, we're operating in the Spirit, and the Spirit lives within us, we are now moving in the Spirit. To do what? To do the works He's assigned for us to do. So what are those works? What are those movements? Well, the spiritual person can move in all kinds of directions. The first thing that God wants us to do is become like Jesus, our Master. We need to produce spiritual fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all those kind of fruit. We're supposed to be producing those kind of fruit. That's God's first and foremost desire for us is to produce spiritual fruit. Now, within that spiritual fruit, for instance, of love, of faithfulness, whatever it is, that we're going to be doing in our life, we need to be producing those kind of fruit as well. So that means whether you're a minister or whether you're changing tires on the side of the road or you're working at a service station, no matter what you're doing, whether you're a doctor, attorney, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Are you doing those things with the fruit of the Spirit being shown through? They can't be separate. If it is, then we're not living the lifestyle that Christ wants us to live. So how does this tie into John chapter 3, verse 8? Well, let's go back and read it, and let's take with us now this knowledge of what grace is, which is what? Movement. It's doing the things that God has assigned for us to do. Tied in now to verse 8. The wind, the place where it pleases, blows, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes, and unto where it goes. Thus so is everyone who is born from the Spirit. So what Jesus is saying is that everyone who is born of the Spirit or born from the Spirit is like the wind. Goes where it pleases, it blows, you hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes and where it goes. That is quite a revelation because what that shows us is that the spiritual life is about movement. It's about producing fruit in the spiritual way through the Spirit of God and He's moving us in directions and in situations that we don't know where we're going to be going with this, and we don't know where it's coming from. Now, we know where who it comes from, but where it comes from, the direction it comes from. It could be from family issues. It could be coming from work issues. It could be coming from infinite number of situations. And where is it taking us to? See, the spiritual-minded person is the person who is always going where the Spirit leads them. They're always being blown by the Spirit, the heavenly wind, if you want to call it in that kind of way. You know, we are here on this earth at this time. We don't know why we were picked to be here at this time on earth. Why weren't we born 200 years ago? Is it just a coincidence? No, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think God places us here at this time for specific purposes and for specific reasons. And the spiritual person doesn't have to wait for, for or wring their hands saying, God, show me, God, show me. They're listening and being moved by the Spirit. They're flowing with that Spirit. Again, we don't know the direction that God is going to come from or where he's taking us. It's kind of like wind on the water. You've seen wind on water. It shows up as ripples 
but we don't know where it's coming from, and we don't know where direction it's going to go. We see it, it dances around, it moves and goes in different directions. No matter what, whether it's a strong wind, whether it's a a subtle wind, it always dances and goes in different ways. It's a movement. It's a graceful movement. It's like a dance, and this is much of what it is. It's sort of like a dance. It's a lifetime dance in the spiritual world. You know, Jesus's day, they had to rely on boats that were driven by the wind. Their life depended on it. Without the wind, the boats didn't sail. Without the boats sailing, the spices and the goods were not transported across rivers, across lakes, and across oceans. They did not know or where they're going to be going with these and if the wind didn't blow. The wind had to blow for them to be able to live. Their life depended on it. Our spiritual life depends on the same type of idea, the spiritual wind where God is taking us. And we're like that wind in ourselves. We're moving. We are spiritual beings going in directions that God moves us in. Yet we also still have that free will that we go and make decisions that God says, it's up to you. If you want to go in this direction and take this job or whatever, you go take that job and just live the spiritual life. And when we do those kind of things, we have so much free will, but it gives us the opportunity to do the spiritual life or live the spiritual life no matter what situation we find ourselves, whether it's in good, whether it's in bad, we have the free will and the free choice to live that lifestyle. That's the great thing about living that. Our life depends on that. It's amazing when you look at these things and what God and how he has got it set up. It's such a mysterious life, too. You know, wind is mysterious in a way. We don't know where it's coming, where it's going from. And Jesus here is introducing a mystery in a way. It's this mysterious lifestyle full of wonders, uncertainties. We've been asked to partake in this spiritual life. We don't necessarily understand, but one day we will. Why? because our frame of reference is always from above. We just need to be open to those and be willing to listen to see if God is going to take us in a direction and whether or not we're going to go that direction. We're not robots. See, that's why we need free will, because free will gives us the opportunity to do things because we want to do them. I've heard so many people say, why didn't God just create us to always do good? Well, then we're not living spiritual lives then. We're robots. Robots don't make decisions. Robots do what robots are programmed to do. God is programming us to do with free will, but saying, here, here's the spiritual life. This is what it will do for you. This is what it will do. It will answer. But in order for us to understand these things, we have to look at them in a spiritual mindset. And it's difficult to do that when we're physical beings and we live in a physical world. So let's look at things in a spiritual way and understand that what John is talking about, what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 3 verse 8, is that we are spiritual people who are born of the Spirit. We go like the wind. The wind takes us. It's a mysterious life. We've been asked to participate in it. Let's participate in it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, share this with your friends, and we will talk with you on the next one.